Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to talk about your bountiful produce and the blessings that you give us. Please uh, give us wisdom and help us have an opportunity this morning to really share some ways that we can work through some of our difficulties in this area so that the food that so lovingly is created in the field can be a blessing to your students that can help their minds and help their bodies and help them learn so much better. In your name we pray, Lord, amen. So one of the things um, that's really has put this as a passion on my heart is some of these statistics here. Our students are getting, America society in general is having a lot more diabetes. Young adults, um, two, sorry, two thirds of Americans are overweight. And then in our communities and in our churches, one in six is food insecure. And I know that we have that um, problem at our school at PAA. Our kids are getting diabetes at incredible rates. Right now, um, the projectile is for students um, that were born in 2000, one out of three Caucasian. Food insecure is when um, it, it runs the whole gamut, whether there's no food at home, but it basically means that they don't know where their next meal is coming or if they're gonna have a next meal, or maybe the mother at home doesn't eat dinner so that there's enough food for the kids. So that there's food issues at home where they're not having enough food. And so that's one in six. In fact, at PAA, we had a student, sorry, at Portland Adventist Academy here, we've got about 260, 280 students. One of our students, we found out over the break, um, they were having a struggle at home, that they didn't have enough food, they were wondering where their next meal was, and so it's not just a, a problem out there, it's a problem in here too, that's something that we need to take care of. So that's what it means by food insecure. Great question. So for students born in 2000, or kids born in 2000, one out of three Caucasian ch children are gonna get diabetes before they die. One out of two um, Latino and African American will get diabetes before they die. 2000 is the first year when it's projected that students will die, or, or sorry, I keep saying students because I've talked about kids all the time, that children will die before their parents. We are on a horrible crash course with the way we're eating. If you look at the leading causes of death in the United States, which one of, on those are not food related? Any guesses? Yeah, so, so accidents is one, I mean, if you look at the list, most of them are very directly food related, either immediately food related or has a huge impact. So accidents is one, but I would imagine if you drilled down with accidents, there would be some of them that, you know, your, your brain wasn't thinking clearly, so you had an accident, or maybe you were alcohol. Yeah, exactly, so there's a whole bunch of, in the accident realm, I would imagine are directly related to your body. How about anything else on there do you see that's not food related? Yeah. Pardon? Suicide. Suicide isn't directly food related. However, we all know that when you're eating healthy, your body's healthy, your mind is healthy, and there's less depression and there's less rates of suicide when you're treating your body right. There's other issues, but 
when you're eating right, your mind is clear and you're able to think better. And so all of the top reasons that we die in the United States could be made better if we were taking care of ourselves and eating right. So this is one of the reasons for me that this is definitely um, a passion and why we need to be doing this. But there's good news. This actually came out, a Harvard study, which is something that we all know, but it's nice to see it out in the world, is that if we're eating healthy, we are going to, if we're, sorry, if, we, um, if kids get more fruits and vegetables, they're gonna eat more fruits and vegetables. So if we show these kids the food, we have it out there as an option, then they're gonna eat more of it. One of the things I do at um, school is I have, um, what I call it is a, a share table. So this is why I do this for partly for the food, the kids who are insecure. So I have this share table and I always try to keep a big bowl of fruit on it. Anybody can take something from this table at any time. And this can be something that you can kind of integrate as well. You wouldn't have to just put fruit in it. Maybe you could put some veggies, that, some finger veggies or something that'd be easy for students to come and grab. But I always try to keep a big bowl of fruit there so that's something easy for them to grab. So I try to keep that there. I keep this table of fruit out um, all day long. So I only serve food in a small window. So if I have students that come in early in the morning and they're hungry, then that table is always out there. So anytime they can come into the cafeteria and they can grab a piece of fruit. And then I just try to keep it full. Um, and then part of the idea of the share table, they're doing this in public schools and different places, but the idea of the share table is you have students who are insecure and then you have students who bring lunches from home and they throw half of it away. So maybe they have some good granola bars in there, maybe they have, you know, which still have a lot of sugar, but you know, granola bars or packaged nuts or something in their lunches. And so instead of the students throwing them away, which they do, students can also put packaged food on there. And so I monitor. There's not a lot of that going on, but that was kind of the idea is so that students weren't wasting food, they had something out there um, and then they could eat it all the time whenever they wanted to. And I'm going to try to make all these slides available. Any of these underlined in the slides so you can look at it later, any of the ones that are underlined are links with some information out there. So why am I here? I'm here because this is something that I've been working on for the last few years. It's really important to me. We've got all this great farming that all of you are doing and we're just not getting the f this incredible food enough into our kiddos. So this is, I'm here because I'm really passionate about it. Um, I grew up, my grandparents have always had a farm, always, they, you know, he's a doctor, my mother's nurse, grandmother's nurse, but they always had gardens, you know, and they were always growing something. My father was in the military, so we moved around a lot. So we didn't always have a great opportunity for a garden because once we started to get it rolling, it would be the time to move, especially since my family loves fruit and that takes a little bit longer to get established. So unfortunately, growing up, we didn't always have a great garden. But it, it's something that I've been around. Uh, I was in the military, and then after the military, I got out and got my used my GI Bill to go to culinary school. So I went to culinary school. And so I'm coming from that perspective. I've had professional training in culinary. And so I just think that <clears throat> we're just not doing a great job in our schools with our food. And I think there's so much we could do to do better. And so it's kind of been my mission for the last couple of years. And I'm 
continuing on that with that. In fact, next week, or no, sorry, two weeks from now, who knew that we had an Adventist Food Service Association? I just found out, and I've been working in one of our schools, one of our larger schools, for two years, and I had never heard of it. So another part of what I want to try to do is get some tools out there through the Adventist Food Service Association with some recipes and some of that. So if you have ideas on how we could help get that message out, are there struggles that you're having that we can kind of work on pushing from the top down, let me know about that too later, and we can, we can work on that as well. So in order to make this happen, we've got to change a little bit the mindset of farmers, as well as definitely changing the mindset of chefs and teamwork to really make it all happen. I like what she said here, and we'll talk a little bit about this a little bit more, is um, she would sneak the sweet potatoes in the chili. That's something, um, for those of you who have kids that maybe that had problems getting the vegetables in sometimes, that's something I definitely do at this school. Um, when I make chili, I add a lot of extra vegetables in it. When I'm making lasagna, I put a ton of vegetables in it. So there's a lot of things that the students already like and are comfortable with eating that I add a lot of extra vegetables into. And uh, mac and cheese is one. If you um, bake sweet potatoes or if you boil some carrots and puree them in a Vitamix, you can add those into some homemade mac and cheese and they get that darker color that they're used to with Kraft mac and cheese, and cheese unfortunately at home or it just kind of gives it that color and it adds, just adds a little bit of sweetness which I haven't seen that the kids have noticed or minded at all. And there's all sorts of stuff out there on how to do that and how to make that happen. So this is questions for you guys a little bit and I'd love to hear from you. So what are some of the struggles that you're having with your kitchen staff to try to get some of those vegetables in? What we were doing in Boulder, which I need to start doing in school, is so some of those vegetables that the kids are unfamiliar with, there's a couple ways to go out. You can do tasting days and the more you get stuff out there and having the students try them, especially when it's coming from the garden, there is a huge difference between a tomato bought at the store and a tomato fresh off the vine. It's, it's, the difference is incredible, as well as fresh apples and all that. So when you're giving students this opportunity to try some of that fresh produce, especially if they know that it's come from the garden that you have there at school, that's huge, and they get to try that. Now you do still have the challenge with um, trying to integrate uh, the food into the kitchen and we'll talk about that a little bit more if you want to just pause on that but that's definitely a problem very processed lots of salt lots of and so that's a, a problem that I think that a lot of our schools have which is interesting because we don't fall under some of the USDA guidelines in general for schools which is a good thing and a bad thing but it sounds like the way a lot of our schools are going right now it's a very bad thing because the U.S., under the last administration, it did change again to be less healthy, but under the last administration, not talking politics at all, just food rules, under the last administration, all of um, any bread product, any, any grain product, had to be at least 51% whole grain. Every meal had to have fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, food is supposed to be cooked from scratch. 
we are not doing that in our schools and that's what I'm also trying to work on because if you're getting food in that's prepackaged, the health benefits to that food is very minimal. Whereas if you're getting the whole grains, but you can make little adjustments. You know, you can start getting the staff to make little adjustments instead of doing Vegalinks with white bread, maybe let's do whole bread. The kids don't care. You know, they're just glad that they're getting a Vegalink and so that's not a big deal. Then maybe you can start integrating like the hot dogs we have here that are made with carrots. Have you guys tried those? They're so good. And I came from a background that we ate meat at home occasionally, not very often. So I've had real hot dogs and veggie hot dogs. Those are fantastic. They've got great flavor, especially when you add the chili and the caramelized onions on top. That's really good. And kids are going to like that. They just have to try it. And so it's, that's kind of that integrating in there a little bit. So, I, so the question was, um, what are the issues, the safety, food safety issues with um, storing and saving food? So that's a great question. There is, across the U.S., there's, um, um, it's called a garden to cafeteria. So if you Google it, look up garden to cafeteria. But I've got some slides on that later where we're talking about food safety policies. And there's a number of school districts that are having garden school gardens. So this is specifically for gardens at your school, not necessarily if you're a commercial farm and you're trying to get in because those are totally different guidelines. Farm and to different. Yeah, farm to school is totally different. This is garden to cafeteria. Very specific. So again, that's like something that's associated with a school that's a garden. And what they've done is one of the links I have on here is some guidelines to that. So you can look at it and you can take theirs word for word if you want. All the, all the policies after this link are totally fine with you taking word for word. Or you can modify it to um, fit with your specific school. But yeah, that's a great question. So the question is, how do we figure out how much produce we need? Because obviously, when you're growing it, you have to back it up. You have to do that planning. Where if you're just ordering it from Cisco, that's much easier. So this is, um, this is a great farm that unfortunately got burnt up a couple years ago. But this, what's wrong with this picture? If you're trying to do a school garden, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah, exactly. So you've got two big problems. It's summertime, nobody's in school, and all of these plants are the same size. So if you are the gardener for a school garden and you have cases and cases and cases of bell peppers that come at one time that may be a little bit harder for the kitchen to take care of. So having succession gardening, having succession gardens is very important. They talked about it yesterday in the market gardening. So whatever you can do to extend your season is really important. But thinking about, okay, well the cafeteria is using a case of lettuce. So they're using a case of lettuce a week. So then we need to plant it's so that it comes ripe throughout as long as we can go into the school year. One of the things I think they did a great job with this video talking about is during the summertime, they were able to harvest and save things. So when you're thinking about having a school garden, think about stuff that can be saved. Do I want to do romaine all summer long for my school garden? Probably not. Could I do 
maybe some spinach, maybe I could do lots of tomatoes. So think about things that you can really either process into something else and save for a long time or something that's shelf stable for a long time. I know which is hard to do when talking about the garden, but really think about tomatoes are incredible. You can be using bell peppers as well. So if you had a whole bunch of cases of bell peppers, you could cut them up and freeze them. And so be thinking about that when you're thinking about your school garden. For a long time into the winter, one of the things as a chef that I absolutely love having in the garden is herbs. If you want to butter up your chef, have some herbs in the garden that they can have. When I buy herbs, you know, I get a huge bag of thyme. You know how much thyme I go through? Not that much. Or I'll maybe get a ton of cilantro. I love cilantro, but the kids get tired of it when I have this much that I have to use at one time. Whereas if it's in the garden and you can give your chef a bunch here, a bunch there, that is amazing. And the food tastes so much better. The kids love it. So herbs are a wonderful thing to have in your school garden. It just makes the food so much better. Of course, if all of the food is coming packaged in, you're gonna have to do baby steps. So maybe cherry tomatoes. That's something easy that the students can eat. Uh, one thing that's a really great place to bring the fruits and vegetables is the salad bar. We do a salad bar at our school. The kids love a salad bar way more than prepared salads because this kid doesn't like mushrooms and this kid doesn't like tomatoes and this kid doesn't like onions. So what do you think happens if you put all of that on a salad? None of those kids are gonna eat the salad. So when you have a salad bar, you can have everything separate with lots of dressings on the end for them to choose from. So as a gardener and trying to integrate the agriculture with the cafeteria, this is a great place to do it. So think about things that would be great on the salad bar. One of the things I love to do with our salad bar is to add in something more colorful and unique. So instead of just having orange carrots, maybe having red carrots. And when I have cauliflower, I find the purple cauliflower. You know how many of those students and teachers have never seen purple cauliflower or red carrots? Lots of them. I have staff coming up to me. These are educated Adventist teachers that have been around healthy food their whole lives don't know red, you know, what red carrots look like or a white carrot looks like. They're just shocked to see these colors and they ask me, what is this? And the students ask, you know, what is this purple cauliflower? <laughs> Did you dye it? And then you get to talk about all the nutrients that comes in and so, turn on a tangent there, but having some different color and stuff to really make your salad bar pop is really important. What's really important is a communication piece with the garden and the cafeteria. Just because you make a ton of cherry tomatoes and all of these beautiful vegetables doesn't mean the cafeteria has the time or the understanding on how to, to work with that. So if you can sit down with them before you even decide what seeds you're going to plant and before you even buy your seeds, find out what they're using. And this may, you know, in your case with the carrots and not knowing how much to order, this may take a little time now, you know, as you're going through the rest of the school year check in with them and say, hey, let's do, here's some things that I think I can grow that, you know, that, or that I have been growing in the past. Tell me, you know, do a weekly account and let me know how much you're growing or how much you're using in the cafeteria. And so it takes a little bit of that. It takes a little bit more time because it's easy to just phone up Cisco and, you know, get your order and have all of that, but it's not as good.
and it's not as delicious and it's definitely not as healthy. The question is, how do you work with the kitchen to really figure out the numbers? And then how, as the gardener, do you work with it to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to make that happen so that I have what the kitchen needs? And that is a great question. Um, some people who could probably answer that really better than I can on how much to plant would be um, Dan Greenfield. He's working with Weimar, and he's got a lot of great information. Um, Jeff Berth who has a garden at Milo and he's been working with his kitchen there and they're still, they're still building that relationship. You know, this is all about relationships. They're still working on that. But both of those people would be great resources for you. And I'm sure um, Vivian probably knows some other ones. Oh yeah, so the question was, do I know of any schools that kind of enforced or encouraged or expanded the minds of students to help them eat more fruits and vegetables? So absolutely, the Boulder Valley School District Berkeley, um, Napa is now doing it. And so what they do, a great one that's a lot of fun, which is, you know, we could tie lots of Bible lessons to as well, is Eat the Rainbow. And so it's encouraging students, especially this is one that's big for the elementary schools, is to eat the rainbow so that you look at the salad bar and you put, see if you can set up a whole rainbow on your plate of different colors and they get a sticker or you can make it a bigger and get something, a bigger prize, but they would encourage the students to get different colors, you know, and then they would talk about the nutrients for different ones and why it's important to eat the rainbow and why it's important to get some of those colors in. And that was really successful for them. In fact, I was at an elementary school in Boulder and these students had been um, eating the having salad bars at the schools for four years and so they were used to it It wasn't something new and surprising I came in with a bunch of rainbow carrots and you would have thought I was giving out some sort of candy with how excited these students were to try these different carrots but they had also you know they've been doing this program for a while and so it's something that they were familiar with and they were comfortable with and so it's it's a marketing process it's a training process, it's an education process. And that's why, we'll, we'll be talking about a little later, it's so important to get your team in. You've gotta get everybody into it together. You've gotta have that relationship with the kitchen staff, with the admin, you've gotta bring everybody together. So as we, I mentioned before, here is a typical Adventist um, lunch menu. So looking at this menu from some of the stuff that we've talked about before, in what ways do you think we could add more vegetables into it? I don't want to. We're talking about the raw vegetables or cooked? Because the raw vegetables are always there, but cooked. Okay, so let's just talk about cooked then. The raw vegetables, we already know we can put those on the salad bar. Easy. You know, not that hard to figure out. So how can we put add more cooked vegetables into this menu? Or how can we make this menu more nutrient dense. By keeping the same stuff and the kids comfortable with the normal things, how could we add some more stuff into it? Yeah, exactly. We could add a lot more vegetables in the spaghetti sauce. One of the things that I like to do, and which would also be a great way for preserving vegetables in the summertime, is to make a ratatouille. Does anybody know what a ratatouille is? So ratatouille is, and there's a, rest, a link to recipes on here, but the ratatouille is basically you saute your onions and your garlic, and then you put in your eggplant, your summer squashes, your tomatoes, and you put all of these, you can either bake it or you can make it in a pot. 
But what's great about ratatouille is then you can put it in jars and save it, and then that can be the base for spaghetti sauce. It can be the base for lasagna sauce. It can be the base for so many things, and you have your zucchini in there, you have your summer squash, you have your eggplant, your garlic, your tomatoes, you can put bell peppers in there, and all of that's in there, and the tomatoes kind of overpower the color, which is really good when you're working with kids because then, you know, they're not like, oh, gross, eggplant, I don't like eggplant, but they can enjoy it because it's something that's familiar. And then you can even make ratatouille, and I like to do it in kind of big one-inch chunks, and then put it into jars, but then if you're gonna make a tomato soup, you can put that in the Vitamix, blend it up so it's a puree, and you have all of those vegetables in there, and it just looks like normal tomato soup. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about the cool weather vegetables and being able to do a stir fry of them, you can have that on top of your pasta, like you can make a, a pasta with a red sauce with it or a pasta with maybe uh, a cream sauce so that you could even do with cauliflower if you have the right um, blender. If you do not have the right blender, it doesn't work. So the question was, how do we get more greens? And I was definitely motivated by that this morning and realizing I'm not getting enough greens in my diet at all. Pizza, what if you made a pesto sauce that had a bunch of greens in it and you put the garlic in it? You don't have to just use basil for a pesto sauce. You can use spinach, you can use arugula. I mean, arugula is a little bit harder to get the students to eat sometimes and you can put kale in there and that's a good one. Another great way is put it on the salad bar. What I like to do, and there's, a, I guess, some debate about it, what I would like to do on the salad bar is put some, um, when I put the kale on the salad bar, I cut it really thin and I massage it with a little bit of olive oil and salt. It makes it so much more enjoyable for the students because it's not quite so harsh and you're not taking the nutrients away and you're adding a lot of flavor. Oh yeah, so that was a great idea from the Seven, seven, seasons. seven seasons, there's a recipe. Oh, seven secrets, seven seasons. Sec the seven secrets where you can do, there's a bread and you can put a lot of the vegetables inside with the tofu and then you have it and it looks really appealing. It's something easy to grab. Now again, we need to be, that is a great one, especially when your kitchen team is totally on board and excited about it because you definitely have to do a little bit of hand holding, a little bit of kind of bringing them into the fold. Because one of the things, even though I love everything from the garden, I wanna have organic produce, I wanna have fresh produce, but then what happens is bugs. And I may not have enough time in the morning to clean up all the bugs that are in something, which kinda of goes back to here, is having bubblers. And I know it's more difficult for the bubblers and, and washing and have a washing sink. This is something that I know Milo's been struggling with is you go everything in the garden and you bring it to the kitchen, you've got this beautiful Napa cabbage and the chef's cutting into it and what's in the middle of the cabbage? Worms, Worms or slugs, which happens when you have organic produce. So anything that you guys can do to make it more commercial looking when it comes in will really help that transition and I think that if you are really faithful with that in the beginning you know you could start to ask for a little bit more help later but if you just bring them a bunch of produce from the garden and there's dirt in it and it's not as clean and pretty as they're used to that's going to be a little bit harder 
And so if you can take that extra time to clean it up a little bit, that will really help. Not to say that you have to worry about having necessarily imperfect produce, and this is where having that conversation with the kitchen. I can use ugly fruits and vegetables super easy. That's not a big deal at all. And so if you're having that conversation, find out, you know, what do they want the oranges for? Are they gonna do orange slices? Are they gonna have them all on display? Are they gonna be making orange juice? Or maybe they're using the orange juice in a tofu, uh, orange chicken style. What, you know, what are they doing? And so if you have that conversation, then you'll know, okay, well this is going on the salad bar and this is what this needs to look like. Or this is gonna go into a stuffed bread and so it's okay if there's holes in it from the bugs because it's gonna be all cooked into something so that's not a big deal, but it's gonna be really hard to get the students to eat some kale on the salad bar that has a bunch of holes in it. You can do DIYs to Google the bubbler and basically what it is is you have a big thing of water and it puts makes it bubble so it helps get some of that dirt and stuff off your greens and so it's not really harsh for the greens but it helps get some of that stuff off of there. The question was on, uh, the statement was on sweet potatoes and sweet potato fries. Yeah, pay attention. You know, if you go out to eat, what's on the menu? And if it's at a restaurant that students like to go to or not, sweet potatoes are super popular. My first year at the school, and I've been doing it since, I made tacos, and tacos is a great one that I usually try to do one that's like a soy product filling, you know, like soy curls and make it look like chicken or like the little dark soy ground beef, and then I tried to do the other one be lots of vegetables. So last year I did, um, which is kind of what we're going into here, last year what I did is I did sweet potatoes and mushrooms. The recipe called for portobello mushrooms, which is a little bit more expensive, I just used regular mushrooms for a filling of the tacos and I was like, let me put this out here. None of the kids are gonna to go for this, but they absolutely did. And one of my students, my little high school student boys, he said, if this was a girl, I would be dating it. And for a high school boy, that's a pretty good compliment. <laughs> and it was something that I kind of, I didn't think for sure that they were going to enjoy. So absolutely, sweet potatoes are a fantastic thing to grow. They have tons of nutrients. You can do sweet potato fries, which isn't that hard for the kitchen. Um, in fact, there is a chopping device that you just put the potatoes in it, go through, and it does wedges, and you could do that for sweet potatoes, you could do that for regular potatoes, and that's way better than doing the tater tots or doing you know, deep fried fries. You can just bake them in the oven, and they're fantastic. So yeah, sweet potatoes is a fantastic one. And then you can put it, like they said, you can put it in your chili, you can put it in your mac and cheese. It's a great one to use. Yes. Yeah, that's a great one is to do, um, instead of doing spaghetti noodles, to do like the spiralizer and do um, sp uh, spaghetti squash, to do zucchini. That is something that I tried is I did a spaghetti squash. Instead of doing it as actual noodles, I did it as a side. And I have this really good vegan Parmesan cheese that I put on it and some really good vegan butter because it was something that was really different to the students, so I made sure that it had plenty of seasoning and everything on it, and they really enjoyed it. But I haven't done it yet as um, a replacement for spaghetti noodles, because for our volume and how many people are who are doing the cooking, it's really hard to do some of those things, because that takes more time. What would the students 
Uh, we have we have 280 students, but we have an open campus, so a lot of the students will go out to Taco Bell or something. Some of our um, food insecure students, some of them bring their lunches, but we do have a program that we're initiating now for to do free and reduced lunches for some of our students that are on scholarship and need it. Um, but yeah, so we do about 40 to 80 students every day for lunch. I always have a vegan option. It is vegetarian, obviously. Uh, I try to go light on some of the, the dairy products and stuff. It's not an over with it. Last year I had a whole bunch of students that were really excited about being vegan and wanted to be vegan and I made a ton of portions for the vegan and this year I've got like five students. No, not even five, I've got just a couple students who do it and they don't always come to lunch. So for me, some meals I'll make that will be totally vegan and nobody will even know. I've got salad dressings on the salad bar, I've got a vegan ranch and a vegan Caesar that are my standard. None of the kids know that those are vegan. I have students that are Adventists. I have we have students that aren't Adventists. We have a really wide variety. A lot of our students, um, I don't know what percentage I, I need to do a survey and find out. A lot of our students eat meat at home. And so for me, for the situation that I'm in, if I went really hardcore vegan on stuff, I wouldn't be getting as many students in and they wouldn't be getting as many vegetables because that would be too weird for them. And so I think it kind of depends on who your audience is. So know your students, it depends on where you're at. The question was how, many, how do I know how many were interested in vegan? They told me and the ones that were wanting to be vegan were, were excited about it and they would tell me how happy they were that I would make a vegan option for them. And then I also have students who are gluten-free, so I need to make sure that I don't have gluten options or have gluten-free options for them. So there's a wide variety kind of there that you have to think about. So thinking again about it from your perspective and you're thinking about your kitchen staff are having to make all of these extra things. So thinking about ways that you can help them integrate your food and kind of build that relationship easier to make the transition for them easier because They'll know that once they start serving it, the products are way better. Again, make sure that everything comes in really clean. The products are better, they taste better, the students will like them more, but it's just that kind of baby steps. You have to make those baby steps. And a lot of folks, they've, uh, a lot of the kitchen folks, especially even at the bigger schools, they've grown up cooking or working in the kitchens at our schools, and we do a lot of processed food. We do a lot, a lot, a lot of veggie meat and veggie meat isn't that healthy you know it's, it's, a, it's an alternative and it's nice to kind of have with things but our folks are so used to doing that it's going to be a process to kind of get them to change their minds. Roboku those are amazing Robokus are so fantastic they're expensive but they can cut down your dicing time incredibly and their Warring is another company out there that has a lot of stuff it's great, and I'll kind of go through slides so you can take pictures of them. One of the things I really wanted to kind of highlight as well as we're going through this is it, and we talked about this going through, but it takes a team. You've got to get everybody involved and show them the benefits. You've got to think a little bit from their perspective on how you can kind of bring them into the fold of how important it is to have their, your programs. These are a couple of my students here um, that, uh, that I have the opportunity of teaching them 
how to harvest lettuce and how to pick things from the garden. So it's always, I always love when I have students in the kitchen and I get to teach them some of these things. So once you've convinced your kitchen staff to do some of these things, you need to get the marketing out there so the students can get excited about it, what's coming from the garden. Here, um, one of the school districts decided to do a vegetable or fruit of the month and kind of highlight it and things. And that was kind of your idea of how to, that education process and kind of forcing them a little bit is having a fruit of the month or a vegetable of the month and kind of highlighting that a little bit. Yeah, if it is a separate energy entity, I'm, I haven't done a lot of research on that, but there are other regulations. So if it's, you know, my buddy Fred has a garden over here and I want to start using his produce in my kitchen, there are some other rules that have to go with that. But if it's your school's garden, um, this will have some good resources for you on having a policy and what you need to do and the hand washing for the kids. And it's got, it's really in depth and gives you some great information on how, what you need to be doing in the garden um, to meet the food safety requirements and what also you need to be doing in the kitchen to meet those requirements. So this is, it's got some great resources on there for you. Please feel free to shoot me an email, give me a call if you have any questions, or if there's in some way I can kind of help communicate to your kitchen team for you and kind of share a little bit with them. I've got a ton of recipes that I use that I've um, made so that they're more for a cafeteria style. They're, they're all set at 25 portions, so that kind of helps with folks when they're trying to figure out recipes and, and what they can be making in the kitchen so they don't have to do the math um, as much on that. And I will be, in two weeks, meeting with the head of the Adventist Food Service Association. So if you have anything that you would like me to communicate while he's in the cafeteria with me, learning some of the recipes, please do because I really think that we need to be working from the bottom up and the top down to make these changes in our schools. We really need to be feeding our kids better. The public schools are doing a pretty good job of it now. Um, a lot of schools have, public schools have salad bars, they've got more whole foods, and we're really lagging behind. And as Adventists, this is something we know. This is something that we're really good at, and we need to do a better job of doing it in our own schools and sharing it. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.